Welcome to the Shoot This Now podcast. My name is Tim Malloy. My name is Matt Donnelly. This week we have something very special for you. Every week we talk about a story that we think should be made into a movie or TV show. This week we have a podcast, mm. Up and Vanished, season two, a story that we think is very cinematic and will almost inevitably make its way to the screen. Fantastic. What's it about? It is the story of Crystal Ann Reisinger, a young woman who walks away from a bonfire and disappears. Wow, dark. Um, our first ever repeat guest, Payne Lindsay, mm. tells us the story. He hosts Up and Vanished and Atlanta Monster. So nice we did it twice. He's really a cool dude, and he brought his executive producer, Donald Albright, who we tried to get to jump on the mic. Um, he was briefly compelled to jump in and suggest who he thinks should play Payne Lindsay in an Up and Vanished movie. Okay. Um, but one thing we got kind of stuck on is who should play Crystal. Okay. I think we saw with... She's our lead. And what is her... She's a young mother who just disappears. Who just disappears. But she has some pretty compelling physical attributes. Is that right? She's very striking. She's the kind of person who, once you see her, you really don't forget her. Oh. Um, I think a movie like Chapel Quiddick, you see how important it is wow. to cast the role of the victim. Mm-hmm. Um really well. Yeah. I mean, because Kate Mara makes such a great impression in that movie in yeah. such a brief time, it really just compels your hatred for Ted Kennedy for the rest of the film. Oh, God, I'm sorry. So random that you I got political. I'm sorry. So random that you bring this up because one of the sober tests when we were in college to see if we were sober was to say Mary Jo Capegni three times. <gasps> um, does, I don't know why. I don't know why. It just was what it was. Who that's, do you think should play our lead? dark, man. Isn't it dark? I mean, we're East Coast kids. We're nothing but trouble. Who do you think should play our lead? Mary Jo Kopechny, obviously, the woman who Ted Kennedy murdered. Just kidding. Oh, my Just God, kidding. Tim. Okay. Um, who do you see for Kristen, Kirsten, Kristen Ann? I think Saoirse Ronan would be awesome. Saoirse is fabulously talented, and she's on fire right now. Um, I see this character as more of a Billy Lord, star of American Horror Story Good cult. Choice. She's very edgy. Um, she'll do an indie. Yeah. You can, get her, you can get her for less than two mil. Sorry, just kidding. I don't know that for a fact. For now. For now. Get it while it's good. Um, if you're enjoying this and you recognize my stuff about Ted Kennedy was just a joke, I think kind of mostly. He kind of, I mean, he's responsible for okay. death. Can we agree on that? I'm not calling him a killer. You're not giving Ted Kennedy five stars. We'd like you to give us five stars on iTunes and to say a quick thank you for the lovely reviews you guys have been leaving. Really, really nice reviews. We really appreciate them. Um, if you give us five stars on iTunes and then you DM us mm-hmm. at shoot this now pod, uh, to let us know you did so, we will sign you up for our awesome mailing list, which gets you into movie screenings all over Los Angeles and in New York city coming what? this award season. No. Yes, sir. At NYU at the New York university kids Bye, coastal. Uh, Whether you're from the coast where people <laughs> say marriage, Mary Jo Kopechny to prove their sobriety. Or from the West Coast. Or disproven, am I right, Ted? Um, Payne and Donald had nothing to do with this introduction. They've asked us to make very clear. Took a wild turn off a bridge. Oh, God. Wow. Uh, uh, Chappaquiddick, available on <laughs> demand now. It's really good. It actually and is really good. now the creators of Up and Vanished Season 2. Um, welcome back to Shoot This Now. Thank you. You, Payne Lindsay, are our first return guest. Really? Yeah. We've never done the same person twice before. Well, I guess so. we're friends now. <laughs> <laughs> Honored. That's how, that's how much of a fan we are here. Um, <laughs> to start off with this new season, last time we talked about Atlanta Monster, 
Um, this time we're talking about season two of Up and Vanished. How did you find this amazing story? Um, well, I was doing a bunch of research online. I was sent literally thousands of cases from people. Wow. And truthfully, we went through pretty much all of them and we looked at every single case we could. And I knew how big of a deal it was um, just from a production standpoint and a podcast standpoint that to follow up season one with what happened in the real world and the case and just uh, how much it captured an audience. Yeah. It was going to be tough to to recreate that. And I had the bar had been set so high that it was kind of intimidating to me. Yeah. Um, I stumbled upon this story, and I have some family in Colorado, so I've kind of been out there before, and I, I like um, Colorado a lot. Mm -hmm. And the mountain town vibe, it always kind of creeped me out a little bit. Yeah. And so when I heard this story, it just immediately captured my attention. And the more I dug into it, the more I realized that this is something uh, bad happened here. Yeah. Can you walk people who are unfamiliar with it through what this story is? Sure. So in 2016, 29-year-old Crystal Ann Reisinger went missing in this tiny town in south-central Colorado called Crestone. And when I say tiny town, I mean really tiny. Mm -hmm. The population is under 150 people. Wow. And she went missing at this full moon drum circle. And you're probably like, what the hell is a full moon <laughs> drum circle, right? Why I said the same thing. It's essentially every full moon, which is once a month, uh, some of the townspeople get together under the light of a full moon and a fire, and they just beat their drums, drink, smoke, and just basically have a good time. And I actually attended one of these drum circles mm. to kind of see what, what it was like. And this was the last place she was ever really seen by anybody. Um, collectively, there's a lot of um, misinformation and conflicting stories about who saw her last, but consistently, this drum circle is the last place she was seen. And having been to one, uh, you could definitely see how someone could wander off and you not know where they are anymore. Because outside yeah. of the firelight, it gets really dark, and you're out here, there's no lights anywhere, and it's kind of scary. And this is kind of a spiritual town and a town for people who are drawn to different kinds of spiritualism. Um, it's near an Indian reservation, is that right? So this town is full of pretty much every religion you've ever heard of yeah. is here. There's all these Buddhist temples, there's a Catholic monastery, there's Baptist church. It's pretty unbelievable. Hmm. And so it's kind of like this sort of attraction for people. And everyone who's in this town, if they live there, if they go there, no one just ends up here. It's at the huh. end of the road. So people come here for spiritual pursuits and stuff like that. So it brings a very interesting mix of people. It's a real, it's a real place for seekers, and she's a seeker herself. Absolutely. Crystal came here for that exact reason. She mm -hmm. came to Crestone to be enlightened and to leave what she felt like was um, sort of a troubling time in Denver. And so she went to Crestone to, you know, to find enlightenment and to sort of like reset. Mm -hmm. And she was 29 years old. Um, someone on the first episode says she's hard to miss. Can you explain what that means? Crystal is a very unique person and also a very unique looking person. Um, she had tons of tattoos. Uh, a, a bunch of fun piercings, and she was very spiritual. She would wear veils, and she would dress different. She was her own person, and she she wasn't just like your average um, person. She, she had her own style and her own way of life, 
And she also was very unique in the sense of she could detect energy from people. And she would, um, I mean, according to her ex-boyfriend, she was a psychic. Yeah. So, I mean, she had all these different things going for her. Very unique person. Yeah. And she had a very interesting crowd of people she hung around. Unfortunately, some of those people that she was hanging around, in my opinion, were probably responsible for what happened to her. Yeah. Um, partly because it'll paint a picture and partly because our podcast talks about stories that should be made into movies. Is there sort of an actress you can describe who resembles her or someone who could play her? Like, is there someone who has a, a crystal vibe? Man. I mean, she looking at this picture of her... You tell me. I mean... I may, I may have to kick this to my partner, Matt Donnelly, who's not here right now, but oh, he's yeah? really good at the casting stuff. I mean, she has, like, this very serene face, very pale blue eyes, blonde hair, um, kind of cut off on top, kind of bangs on top, and then dreads. Like, she, de she does definitely stand out. You would have a hard time missing her. Absolutely. Um, and then she has a young son with her boyfriend. Uh, daughter, actually. Daughter, I'm sorry. She yeah. has a young daughter with her boyfriend. Um, and... Usually in these types of cases, everybody says, oh, the boyfriend did it. But you kind of kind of usurp that narrative or that kind of suspicion by talking to him throughout this. Yes. So obviously the first place law enforcement usually looks is, okay, this woman went missing. What's up with the ex-boyfriend or the boyfriend or the husband? Because yeah. nine times out of ten, that's what usually happened. Yeah. Here, he wasn't even in this city or this little tiny town of Crestone. He was hundreds of miles away, and you can just tell by listening to the first episode when I talked to him the yeah. first time just how distraught and upset he is by this. Yeah. And it was the strangest thing, and it was really emotional, actually, sitting across from him just like this and yeah. his daughter sitting right there. Mm. And I never met Crystal, and I've only going, I'm only going off of people's descriptions of what she's like. Mm -hmm. But looking at Akasha, her mm -hmm. five-year-old daughter, that is 100% Crystal. Mm. It's in, in the strangest way, it's almost like she's somewhere in there looking back at me. And that's <sighs> exactly how I felt. And it was echoed by her dad and everyone else who knew her. It, Crystal was a very special person, and she passed that down to her daughter. And she's super sweet. And at one point during the interview, Kasha leaned in and said to you, I think the six most haunting words I can imagine a small child saying, my mommy's in the spirit world? Yep. What's her understanding of what happened to her mother? So it was super awkward because I didn't know Akasha was coming that day. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had planned to meet with Eli, her ex-boyfriend, to talk about her disappearance and his take on everything. And I got to meet Crystal's five-year-old daughter. And so she was sitting there at the table with us, and we're talking about essentially the possibilities of what happened to her, and beyond Crystal just walking off on her own, whatever happened was likely very bad. Mm -hmm. And talking about that at all in front of her daughter seemed really just tough to do, but she's heard it all before. Mm. She's seen the, the news people come to, the news station come to her house, her dad talk about it, her grandpa, her aunts. So Chris, Akasha, knows that her mother is no longer here. And it's heart-wrenching to see that. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, if anyone deserves an answer here, it's really Akasha. Yeah. And, um, you know, sweet little girl. And we're hoping for the best. We're hoping that the momentum from this podcast can just shake, 
can shake something loose. Mm -hmm. And if anyone out there who's responsible is listening, mm -hmm. you know, just listen to Akasha. Yeah. And then try to sleep at night. Yeah. And this isn't, I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of true crime podcasts that kind of get into the realm of, I mean, some of them, frankly, are entertainment. I mean, people listen to them because they're just fascinated by the mystery. You actually have proven results. I mean, can you, t can you tell people what happened with Up and Vanish Season 1? Uh, season 1 was bizarre scenario. Uh, I set out with this 12-year-old cold case in this tiny town again, but this time in my home state of Georgia. And I started investigating the story and talking to people and talked to almost everyone I could think of in this little town. And then halfway through the series this huge break in the case for the first time ever, there's two arrests for Tara Grinstead's murder. Yeah. It went from a missing persons case to a murder case. Yeah. And from that point forward, we put 12 more episodes out on just the follow-up about these two suspects and what may have happened. And it just completely bizarre. You know, going into it, I had no clue what to expect, but obviously, you know, the best result would be some new information or some break in the case you know, a real ending to the story. Mm -hmm. So that would be great to happen again here. Mm -hmm. There's only so much I can control. Mm -hmm. But from what I've learned from season one is that it is possible. And Crystal went missing two years ago. Yeah. It hasn't been a decade. It hasn't been 20 years. Yeah. Two years ago, she went missing. And I think the people responsible are still in that town. Wow. So you might similarly be able to break this open. You know, that would be amazing. Yeah. I don't want to promise anything to anybody, to the listeners, to the family. You know, all I can really promise is that I'm going to tell Crystal's story, mm -hmm. and I will tell it to as many people as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And her story will live on forever. You know, whether or not there's a break in this season, you know, this story will live on forever. So yeah. if it's five years from now, ten, ten years from now, you know, yeah. Crystal will not be forgotten. And just if people are thinking, oh, well, she wandered off there's so much evidence that that is not what happened. I mean, she had a fridge full of fresh health food that she just bought the day before. She had her young daughter. There's just no evidence that she planned on going anywhere, right? Yeah, I mean, for the people who say that, it's like, okay, well, where'd she go? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, obviously, it's still a possibility because you don't, we don't know what happened to Crystal. If yeah. we did, then we wouldn't be doing a podcast about it, likely. Yeah. You know, or the police would have arrested somebody at this point. Yeah. Or, you know, the whole thing would be put to rest by having Crystal, by Crystal being found somewhere, alive. But we don't know what happened to Crystal, so all the possibilities are still there. In my opinion, and in the law enforcement's opinion, Crystal did not walk off on her own. Where would she go? Right. So I think whatever happened to her was done to her, and someone hid or destroyed her body. And that's going to be a, a really big... Um, piece of evidence that's going to be needed, I think, to make any sort of arrest in this case. It seems like in every kind of documentary like this, whether it's audio or on screen, there comes a point where something really surprising and unexpected happens. Does that happen in this story, or do you think that will happen? It's kind of unreal, because I was just saying this the other day to um, actually Make Up and Vandy set, the composer for Atlanta Monster, who's also composing all the music for Up and Vanished. Hmm. It seems like Every single day when I wake up and throughout the day for the past several months, this story just keeps getting crazier. Mm -hmm. And you're going to experience this as it unfolds the same way I've been experiencing it since yeah. day one. And 
just when you think it ends there, only goes this deep, or only goes this far, only gets this crazy, or this dark, or whatever it is, you're wrong. Yeah. It just keeps on going. And we have a lot of momentum right now. Unlike season one with Tara Grinstead, there's a lot of people who were really close to Crystal who are very involved in this podcast. Mm -hmm. And they are looking for Crystal, and they are determined to find her no matter if there's a podcast or not. Mm -hmm. um, this is something I'm kind of writing about myself, and I'm just disclosing that because I don't want people to think I stole the idea from you later. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I heard the podcast for the first time today. But it seems like when people are disenfranchised from society, they sort of create countercultures. And, then, and they're sometimes trying to escape like unfairness, maybe gender inequity, um, racism, all of the problems in the mainstream society. And then those same problems arise in the counterculture. It's mm -hmm. like if you look at these cults in the 70s, they happen to be led by like middle-aged white males who are the same guys who they were trying to escape in the 1970s yeah. and improve on. Um, I'm one of those middle-aged white males now. <laughs> but um, do, you, do you think that that is kind of what happened here? Like a counterculture sprung up and then it got corrupted just like the mainstream was corrupted in the eyes of a lot of people? That's a really good point that you're making. Crestone, this town, is full of 99% the nicest people you've ever met. Yeah. These are people who, some of them may have been trouble before and wanted to leave society, all the things that you're talking about, and start new here. Everyone has their own unique story there, but there's this common ground that everyone has, this commonality that everyone's there for a reason, and they share this together. Yeah. But just like everywhere in the world, and this kind of just was the nail in the coffin for me. There's evil people everywhere. Yeah. And no matter, no matter how much you shrink it down to 100 people, 50 people, there's a bad seed in there somewhere. And that's just a human flaw. And even though this might be the most spiritual place on earth, yeah. the devil's there too. When you have people who, like Crystal and like other people who are really seeking and exploring, make themselves vulnerable and make themselves open to, you know, different experiences, are there people who particularly prey on that, who go, oh, this is someone who's trusting and who wants to, you know, embrace another way to live? Let me take advantage of that? Absolutely. I think people will do that everywhere, especially people who um, have these spiritual pursuits and want to rebuild themselves and... Uh, just are seeking something higher. They're vulnerable people, and they might be escaping, you know, problems with drugs and family life and just, you know, having a, a bad upbringing. Yeah. You know, when you're in that state or that, that's what you've lived through, you are generally more vulnerable, hmm. and evil people uh, prey on that, and they always have and they always will. So is there a cult connection here? This town is full of some colorful people, all walks of life here, all walks of life here. And, I mean, for example, one of the guys I met was, if you've seen Wild Wild Country on Netflix, yeah. um, the Rajneeshis, he yeah. was a part of that community in Oregon, which oh is unbelievable. God. In his home, this little hobbit house, essentially, yeah. there was a picture of Rajneesh. And I was like, what is that? He's like, oh, yeah, I was out there in Oregon yeah. with them. This is just a run-of-the-mill person here. This is the norm. Yeah. And, you know, they did a whole documentary on, you know, Wild Wild Country. This is just one of the characters here. And there are plenty more just like him 
and different. And this guy's not a suspect or anything? Not a suspect, at least in my opinion, and you know, law enforcement hasn't stated that, but he was at the drum circle that night. Wow. Yeah. So there is a connection with Wild Wild Country. I guess there is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's crazy. Was there anything in her background that made her especially vulnerable? Um, you know, her family upbringing is, is pretty complicated. Hmm. Um, Rodney, who you hear in episode one, is really her father figure, mm -hmm. but she doesn't really have, she never really had a, a really strong relationship with her real, real mother and father. Mm -hmm. And so she's a ward of the state, and basically Rodney took her in, and mm -hmm. that's her real family. Mm -hmm. And they are a great group of people. And I visited their home. Uh, Rodney has a biological daughter named Amy, who is around the same age as Crystal. Mm -hmm. And they saw a person in need, and they took her in. And so I think that her upbringing was probably always a constant struggle mm -hmm. for her. And I think that when she got to Crestone, she started off on a great path, but somewhere along the way, she got tied into the wrong crowd, and there was drugs involved. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking just marijuana. I'm talking about harder drugs. And I think that when you involve yourself with people like that, bad things can happen. And, you know, we don't know the full story yet, so we don't know exactly how things got to where they were. But if you talk to people who knew her in Crestone and her family, towards the end there, before she went missing, she was hanging around some really sketchy people. Hmm. Do you think people should Google this as they listen to the podcast? I mean, there's always you have to make the decision between listening to it and letting it unfold completely through your narrative sure. or supplementing it with your own information and creating your own theories. How do you recommend people listen to this? I would say don't Google it, but if you want to Google it, just go for it. Mm -hmm. I think if you Google it, you're not going to find much. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Because, um, I mean, I've Googled it thousands of times, and I haven't found anything new. You know, you're not going to solve this case, really, um, through the Internet in that sense. Yeah. I think it's going to take, you know, some unless someone who knows something posts something on the internet, mm -hmm. like Reddit or the discussion board on upandvanish.com, mm -hmm. um, it's not going to happen that way. This is so off the map, and there's only really two. There's only really two news stories on this case by the same person, Chris Halsney from wow. Denver Fox News. So, wow, there's not much coverage at all, and. Google it all you want, but you're not really going to find much. And that's why we've been spending so much time in this tiny town to give answers to people. It's, it's funny. I know you're right because I Googled this myself, and the first story that came up is Foul Play Suspected in Case of Missing Mother by Chris Halsney. Yeah. Um, and a co-writer, Chris Coburl, I think it's pronounced. Um, so – this story makes a reference to a man who was in her life who had previously been convicted of drugging and assaulting someone? So, yeah, there's this, um, again, speaking to these uh, seedy characters here, um, there's a lot of mixed stories about the different people surrounding her. Mm -hmm. um, and as the podcast unfolds, you'll start to learn more and more about these people, um, starting with a, a boyfriend figure she had there um, after Eli. And... As you start poking around here, y you see this sort of drug culture, and these guys sort of have these colorful nicknames. And some of them, like Chris Halsey is describing, 
have some pretty bad records and yeah. uh, previous charges, people who you would think should be number one suspects. And yeah. so as we start picking that apart and pulling those layers back, you know, we'll reveal as much as we can about any of these people and their relationship with Crystal. And hopefully within that is the answer of what happened. Yeah. Is that difficult when the police haven't named someone as a suspect to decide whether to use their name and how much detail to give about them? For sure. I mean, you know, that's one of the hardest things ever. Yeah. I think the silver lining here, just on, look on the bright side, in this story, um, fortunately for me, a lot of the different people here in this town all have nicknames. Huh. It's the strangest thing ever. So I'm probably going to only refer to people by their nicknames and mm -hmm. their first names because this podcast is not trying to – this is not a witch hunt at all. Right. You know, we're trying to stay as objective as possible. Yeah. But if someone is doing something sketchy and we know that, yeah. then I feel obligated to tell you that. And you give them every opportunity to give their side. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, talk to me, you know, talk to me about it. You know, I want to hear everyone's perspective, whether you're a suspect, a person of interest or not. Yeah. I want to hear all of it because I'm not going to go by someone else's word. I want to hear from the horse's mouth. I mean, you definitely did that with Atlanta Monster. Sure. I mean, going and getting Wayne's perspective. Right, exactly. Um, one thing we think about when we think about whether a story could be made into a movie or made into a, a, feature, a feature film or a TV show is what's the bigger story? Like, mm -hmm. this isn't just the story of one woman's disappearance. This is also about something bigger. And I'm sure you picked this not just because it was an interesting story, but because it was about something bigger. What's the bigger thing that this is about? As you listen to season two... The bigger story is that this is about a community of people, a mixed bag of people, of lost souls and people who are seeking some higher level of understanding of why they're here and want to live on their own in the mountains and grow their own food off the grid. So it's this whole society of people that you would never run into unless you end up here too. Yeah. And just dropping myself in this place has been a bizarre experience. Yeah. It could be its own documentary. Yeah. And so throughout this, there's a bunch of colorful people, mostly really good people. Yeah. And so that is also a tale that I want to tell. You know, even though it, it can be scary here because of this idea that Crystal went missing or maybe even was murdered yeah. here in this town, there's also a lot of positivity here. Yeah. And so the bigger story to me is, you know, kind of like a life lesson that there's bad seeds everywhere and there's so many different types of people in this story that I think that it's going to open people's minds a little bit on how they should be in their life. Yeah. Whether you're living in a small town or not. And so that's the positive note right there is that there are a lot of interesting characters here. Some are funny, some are sad, some are happy. It's you know all over the place, the spectrum. But I think all in all, it's about just finding what works for you mm -hmm. and that there's no rules for that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mean this in a, in a critical way in any way because I think I'm the same. Mm -hmm. Like we're both kind of norm core. Sure. Like not deliberately, but we don't like – we, you, you'd be hard-pressed to look at either of us and go, like, that guy's a hippie or that guy's a biker or that We're guy's basic. or whatever. I don't, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I don't mean that as a criticism. But is there, like, a fish-out-of-water story about, like, 
you know, you among people who are, you know, really demonstratively different and really embrace being different? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel different around these people, um, but it doesn't scare me. I really kind of just want to learn, mm -hmm. you know, just because you're different, that's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. You know, that, that's what's wrong with people today is that if you're different than them, it's bad. Right. You know, or you can make fun of them or you don't associate with them. You know, a lot of these people, I would never do the things they do or live where they live yeah. or think what they think. But we can still be friends. Yeah. We can still have a conversation about something. Yeah. We can still find some, you know, things that are in common with each other. And I, that's the silver lining, I think. I think it's cool that you're different by being so, you know, outwardly, societally, acceptably normal. <laughs> you know? Like, you're the... If, if you were to see, like, Crystal's boyfriend, um, Eli Guana, when I first saw him, he has two huge ear piercings mm -hmm. with, like, his earlobes extended. He has a big nose ring. He has, like, a cool goatee. He's a guy who, like, you would see him and go, like, wow, what's that guy's story? He's interesting. Right. You know, I wouldn't do that, but, hey, that's kind of cool. But, like... You're interesting. He's the More than me. <laughs> you know he's, I mean? he's the norm there. Sure. And you're the outsider. Exactly. Yeah. I'm the weirdo. Yeah. For sure. That's... I mean, that's just a cool fish out of water angle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever think about this someday being made, or any of the stories that you're working on, being made into a movie where you're the character, where you're a character? You know, I would love that. You know, a lot of times when I'm investigating these stories and um, meeting these people and interviewing them and kind of piecing it together, I'm like, oh my God, I'm in a movie right now. <laughs> I would love to just be in a theater eating popcorn and see this <laughs> unfolding, you know, yeah. in a scripted way. Yeah. So, and I think this story especially, um, even though it's extremely tragic, there's so much here that is interesting. Yeah. And there is some positive sides to it. And I think that it would, you know, it's almost like it, the plot of a movie. Yeah. It really is. This yeah. tiny spiritual town, very Twin Peaks. Yeah. But it's different. It's more rugged. And yeah. it's out here in the middle of nowhere, Colorado, where there's only four police officers and the sheriff lives 45 minutes away and people are just living out here in the wild, wild west. Yeah. And it's, you know, this beautiful person goes missing who came here to, you know, seek something higher for a positive reason and she's just gone and no one knows what happened and no one's saying anything. That's a weird story. That's a movie story in my opinion. And you're kind of the Dale Cooper. <laughs> sure. Maybe without the dreams. Right, exactly. But I mean, you're the straight arrow who comes into this weird town. Yeah, you can say that. I don't mean, again, I don't mean weird in a pejorative way. Yeah, weird no, cool. you're totally right, though. <laughs> I mean, I definitely, um, you know, stick out here. But um, people are pretty accepting. Yeah. You know, surprisingly. Yeah. They're very accepting, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Uh, who, would, who would play you? Oh, man. I don't know. You pick somebody. Don't we're, offend me. We're looking to your we're looking to your producer, Donald. Yeah. Donald, who play me? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you got you always got to upgrade yourself, you know, for for the big screen. So uh, I'm going with uh, Chris Pratt on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Pratt. All right. Uh, okay. Sure. All right. You you've got a good partner in this business. All right. So we'll call Chris Pratt after this, and we'll see if he's down. Okay. Donald says Chris Pratt. <laughs> I see it. All right, that works for me. <laughs> um, can we talk about the status of some of the other stuff that you're working on? Sure. I mean, Up and Vanished obviously is already a TV show, mm -hmm. a docu-series. Mm -hmm. um, what's happening with Atlanta Monster? You're out in Hollywood now, more meetings. 
Yeah. Do you think that's on its way to the big screen or small that, screen? That's what we're hoping. You know, we um, we talked last time about Up and Vanished. Mm -hmm. um, got a deal with Oxygen, mm -hmm. and we're super excited about the docu series. Mm -hmm. And Atlanta Monster was our next big project, mm -hmm. and had a really strong buzz and um, you know a new audience, and so. Our whole formula and plan here at Tinderfoot and what I'm doing and Donald and I are doing is to create these new podcast concepts, these IPs, and we want them to all be film projects or TV projects. So um, Atlanta Monster was well-received and had a huge audience, and we would love to not only create the TV version of that, but to see it come to fruition, too, because there's so much you can do with the television part of it that you can't do with a podcast, vice versa. Right. But I think that with Atlanta Monster especially, there's su there's such a story to tell there mm -hmm. that's not just about Wayne Williams. Mm -hmm. It's about the community, how it shaped the city, all the racial bifurcations, how it affected generations, and how relevant it can be today. And kind of tying that in a bow would be really special to do. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. We're trying to make Atlanta Monster into some sort of TV project. Um, yeah. We're at the very beginning stages of that, but that is 100% part of our plan. And as soon as we know something, we'll, we'll tell you. And we talked last time about how the Atlanta Monster formula, the idea of using a crime or a series of crimes to tell you about the, the city where they take place mm -hmm. could be applied to other cities. So there could be an LA monster, there could be an sure. open monster, there could be a Boston monster. Do you have any other cities in mind at this point? Um, every city's um, open at this point. I think that the idea of monster yeah. could be kind of cool, where yeah. it's just, it's not Atlanta monster anymore, but, you know, monsters are everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, what is the monster in this city, town, state, country, yeah. anything, where it deserves a second look and sort of an investigation and a retelling of what may or may not have happened with all the people who were involved in the story. Yeah. The same way Atlanta Monster did with Wayne Williams and the Atlanta Child Murders. Yeah. Um, what are you tired of answering? Like, what, what does everybody ask you? Oh, man. <laughs> that question. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, I don't know. It just depends. A lot of people just kind of talk, like, very topically about the whole thing, but... I liked your questions about, like you already drew some conclusions of your own, and we're seeing the bigger picture of something. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like talking about things that we just heard and we just are very just to the point. I like to talk about the bigger idea of, um, you know, why I'm doing this and sort of like the uniqueness of everything versus just straight about, you know, what's happening in this case. Yeah. Because that's really what the podcast is for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So kind of talking about the bigger picture and, either whether it's a personal experience or just something that's extra is always interesting to me, interesting to me and you always do that, which is why we love coming here. I, I like listening to it. I mean, that's <laughs> why I listen. Um, no, I mean, they're, they're fascinating and they're so compelling and what separates you from the, all of the other true crime podcasts out there, which there are millions mm -hmm. of frankly bad ones and kind of exploitive ones, right. is that you're trying to do something important. I yep. mean, first you're trying to solve an active crime, and second, you're trying to say something about the conditions that created that crime, which I think is what true crime should really do. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's that's what, these stories, we shouldn't tell these stories just because they're like grisly or graphic or something. We should tell these stories because we can learn something from them, and, you know, 
we're probably not going to solve a murder, but we can change something in our society and the way we vote or the things we prioritize or something. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was like a No, that's side, totally side true. Rant. I mean, it's, <laughs> we live in an interesting time where you could yeah. make a podcast on your own yeah. and it matter. Yeah, it's crazy because it right? is like the, it is the cheapest and easiest way to tell a story probably right. to a lot of people besides like, I guess, a blog, but... I don't know. There's something about podcasts. It just feels more active to have it like coming through your speakers and yeah. going out to a lot of people. Can you talk about the rush of like when you first put something out there and then you see the numbers start to climb and then you start to get feedback and you're like, oh my gosh, people are actually responding to this case and are actually paying attention to this to this happening, something that they forgot for years or even decades. It's always interesting to see the response of people. It's crazy because we deliver this sort of polished clean, easy to listen to um, episode of something where it's, you can basically hear it and make your own judgments, right? And you're sort of, you know, you're picking it apart and you're maybe rewinding it and listening to something and you're sort of making your own conclusions, right? Yeah. But the process it takes to create that, to deliver to you is sort of the unspoken part of this that is the absolute most fucking crazy part. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, not all of it would even make it into the podcast because it's not doesn't have any relevance. Right. But dealing with people in the real world with a topic like this, I say topic. This is some something bad happened to this family, and I'm here documenting them, trying to offer help in the sense of let me help get Crystal's story out here. Yeah. And just the whole dynamic that that creates with me and them is very interesting and emotional. And so this season, there's a lot more of that. So you're going to get to sort of see, in a way, how they're reacting to this as well. And what it's like if your daughter went missing, your sister went missing, your ex-girlfriend went missing, what is that like? And you're going to experience that. And it's some very tough stuff. And so... You know, I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah. that to me is, it's always unique to see people's reaction. Yeah. And it's very easy just to listen to it and be like, oh, okay, and kind of make a judgment and then move on to the next one. But, you know, we worked really hard to make it, deliver it in a way where you could digest it. Yeah. But really behind it is this real world scenario playing out. And yeah. it's super bizarre. I mean, in doing this on a much lower level, knowing the feeling of putting something out there and going, does this even make sense to people? Like, did the, right. words, did, did the words that I just said make any sense to anyone other than me? And to have to do that with a real active case, the responsibility that that must involve, like, I just applaud you guys. It's Thank you. I can't imagine how hard it is to keep all of this in your head all of the time. It's definitely a burden, without a doubt. Yeah. And you have to be hyper-focused and focus on the broader picture and hyper-focused again and just be able to bounce around very quickly and then go talk about it like yeah. this, yeah. respectfully. Yeah. And, you know, the thing I kind of remind people is that, you know, we're, we are making a show here. We're making a show. I want you to feel like you just watched season one of True Detective. Yeah. That's, and I, I want that for a bunch of reasons, but the main one being... If you're that compelled by this mm-hmm. and the audience is that big, this has that much more of a chance of actually making a difference. Yeah. If this sucks to listen to, then it, everyone's tuning out or no one's tuning in 
and no one knows about Crystal's story. Yeah, it's not helping anybody. Exactly. No so one's enjoyed listening to it, and you haven't solved anything. And it's so it's balancing those two things of making a great show and doing the right thing and pushing that to the limit. Yeah. And, you know, there's no rules for this. It just do the best, be the best, hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. Is there anything that you listen to that you recommend people check out? Um, check out RFK Tapes. Yep. Mark Smerling is a good friend of mine, and it, I wouldn't recommend it if it sucked. And Mark, it doesn't suck. It's actually really good. You should check it out. I listened to the first one. I was jogging through the woods. It was like one of the most enjoyable all-around experiences. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, he's better than me at putting the stories together, and I'm learning from him in a lot of ways. But he's just masterful at crafting a, a narrative that flows perfectly and keeps your interest and keeps you wanting to tune back for more. And that's, you know, that's an art form to me. So. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, man.